0: Welcome to Gestational Diabetes Club. I'm your host, Helena, dietitian, nutritionist, vegetable enthusiast, and big fan of strong coffee and dark chocolate. Join me here each week to chat about all things gestational diabetes. We'll cover everything you need to know about your nutrition, lifestyle, and all the messy bits in between so that you can feel empowered to optimize your blood sugar, grow a healthy baby, and create sustainable healthy habits to last a whole lifetime without the stress, overwhelm, guilt, or confusion. Thanks so much for joining me, and I hope you love it here. Hello,
1: welcome back. Thanks for being here. Today we're talking about the do's and don'ts of gestational diabetes, and I want to frame this episode as though you've just been diagnosed, and now what are the things to be focusing on and what are the things to not be focusing on, because I know that there is often quite a gap between when you receive your diagnosis of gestational diabetes and then when you actually get to see a specialist or meet your care team. So this episode is designed to, in some ways, fill that gap and give you some insights into the things that you can be thinking about and some of the things that you can be doing in this awkward little in-between time. So hopefully it is helpful for you. That is where you are at the moment. And I know that if that is you and you have just been diagnosed. I just really want to acknowledge that you must be feeling so much right now and you might be feeling really emotional and really vulnerable, pretty overwhelmed, I imagine, with how much there is to know and how scary and confusing it can be when you don't, maybe don't know that much about what gestational diabetes actually is, where to start, where to even go for information, what information's reliable, what's not what exactly you should be doing, what the risks are, because I'm sure that front of mind is not wanting to be doing anything harmful to your baby and for yourself, your own health. Um, yeah, I'm sure that there are just so many questions in your mind and you're probably feeling all the things and we'll talk about that in the do's and don'ts as well. But just an acknowledgement that, you know, I see you if that is how you're feeling at the moment and you're not alone, that you're really not alone. There's other people going through the same thing and there is support out there. And I'm really hopeful that this episode is going to give you some guidance so that you don't feel quite so lost at sea, I suppose, and unsure of what to do. So first of all, I suppose before we get into this, if you do need some clarification about what gestational diabetes actually is, I'm not really planning to talk about it. So. Perhaps go and listen to one of the previous episodes so that you can get a little bit more clarification and reassurance about what the diagnosis is that you're dealing with. But for a quick refresher, it essentially just means that your blood sugar is too high and that's typically a result of hormones from the placenta blocking the action of insulin. Now, usually insulin would be released from the pancreas and be shuttling glucose out of your bloodstream and into the cells where it needs to go. When you have GD, the pancreas isn't producing enough insulin to keep up with the higher demands of pregnancy. So the the whole process isn't occurring properly. Because normally in pregnancy, like with everybody has some level of insulin resistance and that's got a like special biological function in the sense that it means that more glucose can be shuffled off to the baby through the placenta. But most people's pancreas and insulin is able to keep up with that demand. But for somebody with GD, that process is not working properly, like I said. So that's just a little refresher to bring you up to speed with, you know, what the diagnosis actually means. But let's talk about the do's and the don'ts. I've listed 20. So we've got a few to get through. Some of them are going to be quicker. Some of them are going to have a little bit more of an explanation And I hope that if nothing else, they can help your mindset and give you some reassurance about what's going on and what the key things are to focus on. So my number one do is to look after your mindset and your mental well-being. So you might be rolling your eyes a little bit at this one, but I think that it's so important to put at the very top of the episode and top of this list because we do know, actually, that when you have gestational diabetes, you are at a higher risk of depression. And that's already something that is pretty complicated and, um, you know, a vulnerable time when you're pregnant and that you can definitely develop like antenatal depression or postnatal depression. We know that those are things that affect so many people. And when you have GD, you're at a higher risk. So please make sure that you are looking after yourself And also let's think about your mindset because you might be feeling all sorts and feeling really guilty about things that you've already been eating and feeling like everything's your fault, anxious that you're not going to be doing everything perfectly and that you don't even know what you should be doing. And especially in these few days, it can be really easy to feel really stressed and not wanting to be causing any further harm. So I just want you to look after your mindset around that and try and pull yourself out of it, which is a kind of harsh thing for me to say, but it would be very easy to just sort of sit in those feelings of shame and worry and, you know, whatever it is that you're feeling, feeling frustrated, angry, you know, there's probably a whole spectrum of emotions that, and I'm not saying everybody feels like this and there's nothing wrong with you if you're not feeling these emotions, but if you are somebody who is feeling this way, then try and pull yourself out of it and focus on how you can start moving forward because the quicker you can get out of that mindset, the quicker you can start making some positive changes that are going to be more beneficial for you now and in the longer term. And I would encourage you as well to, oh, you're going to hate me, but look for those silver linings. Okay. So I know I've heard from people before, like, you know, I'm sure there's some of you that want to I don't know, just, you just don't want to hear that there's silver linings. You don't want to hear that, but there are, and I want you to really try and pull yourself out of whatever negative spiral of thinking that you're in and pull yourself into something more positive. Look for those silver linings. And my favorite silver lining is that if you were somebody who was not paying much attention to your health and your diet and things like that it's a really nice trigger to start thinking about those things. And it might've been something that's always been on the back burner for you. Like, Oh yeah, I know I should be eating a bit better. I should be looking after myself a bit more, but don't have time, you know, can't prioritize it, whatever it might be. What a great reason to finally make that change and take that step. And what a great reason to start implementing some really positive health behaviours that mean that you'll be an amazing role model for your family in the future. You know, there there are other silver linings here. We can look for those positives. So that's what I encourage you to do and not look at this as a really short-term thing. And the number two, don't, is don't blame yourself it's really unlikely that you caused gestational diabetes by anything in particular that you were doing around your diet or your lifestyle or your exercise routine beforehand. You might be wanting to beat yourself up about things and saying that you ate so many bowls of cereal and ice creams and chocolates and all the beige foods whilst you're in your first trimester and maybe before pregnancy you weren't really paying much attention, like I said, to your diet. Um And so then it can be really easy to just think that you've caused this. It's all your fault. You haven't been eating healthy enough. You haven't been doing all the right things. But it's just not really, it's not really true. Like you didn't choose gestational diabetes. No one would choose this. There's so many other factors that go into it. Like we know that there are so many different risk factors and we don't know everything about GD either. So yes, maybe your lifestyle and your diet can play a small role but it's definitely doesn't seem to be like the most predominant feature of why somebody would develop gestational diabetes. So don't blame yourself and don't sit in that negative thought spiral. So just start pulling yourself out of it. Start thinking more positively, start thinking about the ways that you can move forward. And like I said, it's a great reason if you haven't been paying much attention to your health to start now. The number three don't is don't think about what you have to cut out. So an important thing to keep in mind is that a healthy diet for somebody with GD is essentially the same as a healthy diet for everybody. So yes, you need to make a few little tweaks and be a bit more conscious and mindful of carbohydrates in particular, but it doesn't mean that you need to be cutting loads and loads of things out of your diet and One of the next don'ts is don't cut out carbs. So we'll talk about that a little bit more in a second, but you really don't need to be cutting loads of things out of your diet. And so going hand in hand with this is do think about what you can add in and treat this as a sustainable lifestyle change like I was talking about before. So I also want you to keep in mind whilst you're pregnant, you're in the first 1,000 days of your baby's life. So that starts from conception and all the way up to toddlerhood. And in this first 1,000 days, we've got so much research to point out that your nutrition and other lifestyle choices have a massive impact on your baby's development and health and wellbeing well into their future. So not just their development whilst they're in your uterus, so not just while you're pregnant and not just while they're a toddler, but all of the things that they are exposed to at this time can have a very real impact on their gene expression and that can predict future outcomes for them. So to the extent of things like chronic health conditions, like get themselves getting diabetes or cardiovascular disease or um, Alzheimer's even when they are older. So you really need to be thinking about what you're eating and not just laser focusing on blood sugar. And how I framed this is not to be thinking about what you need to cut out and to be thinking more about what you can add in and treating it as a sustainable lifestyle change. So really focus on where you can optimize your nutrition, where you can add in things that maybe you haven't been trying before. So maybe it's a matter of like swapping some of the typical carbohydrates that maybe you normally eat. So if you normally eat white bread, for example, maybe it's making switches to things that include more whole grains and dense seeds and things like that. And maybe it's an opportunity to start eating things that aren't in your regular rotation. So maybe it's things like quinoa, maybe it's more whole grains like barley and frica and All those sorts of things, like maybe it's a time where you get a little bit more creative and you prioritize your gut health and you focus on getting in more colors of fruits and vegetables and incorporating all of those plants and you get out of kind of a rut of whatever you have been eating and think about all of the things that you can benefit from that you can be adding into your diet that are going to be beneficial for you, your family, and your baby going forward. So we don't need to take a really restrictive approach. Like I said, of course, you might need to be more mindful of certain things, but it doesn't mean that you need to just cut everything out. I would really prefer to take the approach of like, let's add in as many whole foods, beneficial things as possible, whilst in the constraints of managing your blood sugar, um, obviously but take that approach more so than the restrictive reductive approach. So the next don't is don't cut out carbohydrates. So like we just said, don't cut out loads of things. Specifically, don't cut out carbs. And I won't go into huge amounts of detail because I do have an episode all about carbs already, so go back and listen to that if you haven't already. I've spoken about like what the evidence currently says about carbs in gestational diabetes the benefits of them, why we still need to be including them. Most of the evidence is in favor of being able to keep in quite a decent amount of carbohydrates in your diet. So you probably don't need to go as low as you think. So I know that that's kind of just like the blanket stuff that you'll probably see on the internet and hear from your care team that you need to be, you know, cautious about your carbs. And you absolutely do, but you don't need to completely cut them out. And there's so many benefits to keeping them in. They give you whole grains. They give you fiber, very important for your gut health. They give you macronutrients. So even things like folate, which we know is super important, keep you nice and satisfied. They taste good, which sounds kind of silly, but is genuinely important because you need to be able to um, enjoy and stick to your gestational diabetes diet for quite a long time. So we want you to be able to enjoy it and keep you satisfied and keep you regular. So there's lots of benefits please keep your carbohydrates in. And number six, don't buy all the keto and paleo products. So that's sort of a similar concept, but you really don't need to be having things that are, I suppose, like diabetes specific or keto or paleo because they've chopped out all of the carbs and put in whatever else they want to replace them with. You don't really need to be doing that. And I would be more so focusing on where you can incorporate more whole foods. When I say whole foods, I'm talking about things that generally don't come from a packet. So things that are, I mean, it's fine even if they do come from a packet, but I'm talking about minimally processed foods. So things that are closer to how they're found in nature. I'm not a purist about this, so don't get the wrong idea. I'm not saying that eating things from a packet is in some way wrong or that you should be worried about that. I don't think that's the case, but I don't think that you need to be heavily relying on essentially ultra processed foods that uh, have been labeled as keto and paleo because they might be lower carb when you can achieve the same benefits from making other simple swaps in your diet. So I would be more so encouraging you to look at, like we talked about before, swapping some of the higher glycemic index foods to lower glycemic index foods. So that is stuff like refined white bread to multi-grain dense seeded bread and potentially going from like white pasta to the wholemeal pasta, usually just going for wholemeal and whole grain options where you can, and those other sorts of whole foods that include like all of your vegetables and legumes and nuts and seeds and good sources of protein and things like that. So just then being smart about how you pair things. So rather than having a meal that is essentially just carbohydrates, pairing that with those other elements like the protein and the healthy fats and all the fibres from the fruits and vegetables and things like that. So then you get a more favourable, for blood sugar. And that doesn't depend on you choosing low-carb, diabetes-friendly foods all the time. Now, the next do is similar. So do start thinking like a dietitian. So what I would encourage you to do is take notice of what you're already eating and perhaps start writing it down so that you have a good um, a record. And that will also help you going forward because I would encourage all of my clients to keep a record of what they are eating so that you can then trace back blood sugar levels once you start testing to what you've eaten. Um And so then what I would do once you've started writing things down, at this point, I would just start identifying where you're having the different macronutrients. So your macronutrients are carbohydrates, proteins, and healthy fats, and then fiber and antioxidants and things like that from all the colors on the plate. So the fruits and the vegetables. And so I'd start identifying what your meals are composed of. And I'd also encourage you to learn about these macronutrients. So I'll give you a brief overview. So your carbohydrates are be things like your grains, cereals, bread, pasta, rice, fruit, dairy, vegetables and legumes. And like I said before, they give us energy, fiber, vitamins, things like magnesium even, um, lots of benefits. And then our protein is stuff like meat chicken, turkey, fish, seafood, dairy, eggs, legumes, tofu and tempeh and there's you know it's essentially like the building blocks for everything we need protein for so many processes and enzymes and all the good stuff in our body and it's also the most satiating nutrient so we feel quite full when we eat protein so we need to be having it regularly and then we've got healthy fats so things like olive oil, avocado, nuts, seeds, And generally animal products. So things like meat and dairy will also contain fats and fats are really essential. We need them for hormonal function. Um, things like keeping us warm, even insulation for our organs, lots of reasons. And it also just tastes pretty good. Usually makes your meals taste quite nice when there's a source of fat and can help with nutrient absorption too. And then we've got the other parts. So the fruits and the vegetables that are generally like your fiber antioxidants and micronutrients fairly self-explanatory. So like I said I would be writing down what you currently eat and split that up into your into their like different macronutrients and see what the pattern is. Like maybe you're noticing that the majority of your meals are composed mainly of carbs or maybe you barely eat carbs or maybe you barely eat any vegetables. So just see what's generally going on and It'll be very interesting, like don't judge yourself for it at this point, but just to be identifying where those macronutrients are because then that will help you going forward to be able to create your meals in a way that is more favorable for your blood sugar levels. So then the next don't is don't eat separate meals from your family. So if you're all eating in this particular way and you're all having similar meals and, you know, that ties in with what you've just noticed about what your meals currently look like, don't feel like you need to all of a sudden eat really differently to them, okay? So what what I'm going to encourage you to do in the next do is to create a template for your meals for how to portion them out. And this is something that would be beneficial for not just you, but probably everybody or most of your family to be eating in this way. So don't feel like you need to be eating really separately. Maybe certain things you need to have a different portion size of. But in general, like I said, healthy eating for GD is essentially the same as healthy eating for everybody. So you can still continue eating family meals. They might need some tweets or you might need to Come up with some new things in your repertoire, but overall it will probably be beneficial for everybody. Now, number nine is to create a template for your meals. So this is a do. What I suggest that you do is rather than, you know, cut out your carbs and count out every gram of carbohydrates and things like that at this point, especially because you haven't really spoken to any of the specialists about it and what's going to be actually appropriate for you because everybody's really different with how many carbs and things like that they need. What I suggest you do is think about this way to structure your meals. So aim for half a plate of non-starchy vegetables. When I say non-starchy, I mean pretty much anything that is not potato, sweet potato or corn. So those vegetables are more like carbohydrates. So I would say don't include those in your vegetable stirs. So go for half a plate of vegetables, ideally with a variety of different colours, so three different types of veggies if you can. One quarter of a plate of protein and try and make that something quite lean, so maybe skinless chicken breast or some tofu or some extra lean beef mince um, and then have one quarter, so another quarter of your plate being carbohydrates And ideally choose things that are low GI. So those whole meal, whole grain options and then a small serve. So around a thumb size or so of healthy fats. And that might just be extra virgin olive oil that you use in cooking, or it might be a sprinkle of nuts, or it might be a little bit of cheese grated on top. So half a plate of vegetables, one quarter of a plate of lean protein, one quarter of a plate of carbohydrates and a small serve of healthy fats. So go back and see what you already noticed about the pattern of your meals and see if that is different to what I'm suggesting. And then you can start just working towards that structure a little bit more, and it might make things seem a little bit less daunting in the sense that you don't need to go and start cutting out carbs or counting out every carb. You can just sort of fit things around into this template, which is generally a good way of eating for most people, regardless of what their blood sugar is doing. And the next don't is don't cancel your social plans. So if you're getting a bit of a theme here, I don't feel like GD needs to completely flip your life upside down. So don't want you to cancel your plans because, you know, it might feel tempting to think oh I've got to eat everything like special and it's just going to be difficult so I don't think I should go because I don't want them to have to cater for me and it's too hard like I don't know what I'd even order from a menu and I don't know what I'd tell someone to cook for me and I don't want to have to talk about it or make a fuss. just ignore all of those thoughts don't cancel your plans and really just think about um, open communication which is the most boring thing I know when you say communicate with people, but absolutely do it. And if you do have important things coming up, write them down as well so that then you can tell your team about it when you do have your appointments. So, you know, you might have things coming up like weddings and hens and your own baby shower at some stage and birthdays and all the things that do come up in life. You know, they don't stop just because you're pregnant and they don't stop just because you've got GD. So you can absolutely still go and be at these things and write them down, see what your team has to say about them because they might be of the opinion um, that you can have a few days where you can be a little bit more relaxed about your blood sugar or, you know, you can pick and choose the times where maybe that's the time you want to have a special piece of birthday cake because it means a lot to you to be there for that person, whatever it might be. So communicate it with your team. And they will also be able to give you strategies to navigate that, especially if you're seeing a dietitian. It's something that I do really commonly with my clients. You know, we'll map out whatever social situations are coming up for the week and we'll talk about, all right, send me the menu, like I'll have a look at it with you. We can choose what your best option is going to be. We can go back to that healthy plate template and make sure that we've got a good source of protein. We've got some of those vegetables and we've got some kind of carbohydrate that's not going to send your blood sugar through the roof. And so we can navigate it together. So really good to get somebody else from your care team on board to be able to help you with that. So the best thing you can do is write things down so that they're front of mind and you don't forget to ask about them. Um, and then when you are going to those things, like I just said, use the same principles. So use that healthy plate approach And I should have explained before, but the reason to have things in that sort of ratio is because you still want to keep the carbs in, but we really want to be pairing them with things like protein, healthy fats and fiber, because those other elements are going to buffer the rise in blood sugar and make sure that you get a good spectrum of all of the different micronutrients and minerals and things that you need so that you're supporting your own nutrient stores and the growth of your baby. So, it's really important to be trying to eat in that way. And you can essentially try and replicate that when you go out to eat without feeling like you need to completely cancel things. And it might also help to talk to close family and friends or whoever is going to be at those social situations so that they know what's going on for you. And potentially if you do need to make any modifications, then it's just not such a big deal. And you can tell them whether you do or you don't wanna talk about your pregnancy. And it just helps having those conversations in advance rather than on the spot. And number 11, I've actually, I've already started talking about it, is to communicate openly. So do communicate openly. So talk to people around you and let them know if you're comfortable too, what's going on. And don't feel like you need to isolate and hide yourself away. You can send them resources, send them this podcast if you like, so that they have an idea of what you're going through and some of the things that you're dealing with. And, you know, you can just tell them if they're saying things that aren't helpful or supportive to you and making assumptions about what you should and shouldn't be eating. Think about ways that you can respond that's, you know, nice because they probably just want to support you. But... Just set some boundaries around, you know, what is and what isn't helpful for you at this time and communicate openly with your team. You don't ever need to feel ashamed or embarrassed of anything that's going on. So make sure you're just keeping those lines of communication open. It will only support you. Now, number 12 is don't Google it. <laughs> um, obviously you're going to Google it. So I say that with kind of a grain of salt because I know you're, of course, you're going to look up everything that you can and you've probably, you know, Googled it to some extent to find this episode anyway. So yes, you're probably going to Google it, but be cautious of what you're reading online because not everybody is credible. And there's, there's a lot of a culture in the GD space of, you know, sharing and caring and um, exchanging advice and information, which I think is fantastic. I honestly do. I think that it's really lovely that there's so many support groups out there and it's amazing seeing women lift each other up, but I don't, I just don't think that you should be taking other people's approaches and directly applying them to yourself because everybody is really, really, really different. So you can't take somebody else's big time snack even as an example and feel like that's going to work for you. And you can't just take their diet plan you know sometimes i see people share the information and whatnot they've got from their hospitals and yes that might be helpful and that's that's cool but don't follow it to a t because it hasn't been tailored to you or if somebody's saying like oh here's exactly what i eat and here's my ratios carbs like that's cool for them but it might not work for you so really just take what you're reading with a grain of salt and don't think that everything you read is true because i also see some kind of Misguided stuff out there. Um, and I'm not trying to throw shade at anybody and I'm not trying to say don't ever go on these like forums and support groups because I think they're awesome. Like I said, but just don't use it purely as your source of information and check anything that you do read with your care team and maybe make a list of questions. So do what seek personalized support is the next one. So. Make sure that you are advocating for yourself. If you don't feel like you're getting the information that you need and that you deserve, then ask for further support. So whether that is through your care team and whether you want more follow up or whether you want a referral to see a dietitian or whoever it is, or whether you look for something privately like myself or another dietitian, find that individualized support because honestly, this is such a pivotal time in your Life and in your baby's development. And you can really treat gestational diabetes like an opportunity to make some sustainable lifestyle changes, like I said, or you can treat it as a few weeks that you've just put a scrape through. And I would really encourage you to find the support to help you make sustainable lifestyle changes so that you actually get something out of this and you get some positive benefits at the end of it all that you can maintain and that will serve you into the future. So get that personalized support. It can make a really, really big difference to how you cope during this time, to the outcomes that you get and to you going forward as well. Now don't, don't, don't just focus on your food. So there's so many other things as well. We've talked mostly about your food intake, but don't just focus on that because gestational diabetes is impacted by lots of different things in your lifestyle too. So other things that affect your blood sugar, pretty sure there's actually like 42 factors that can impact your blood sugar. So food is, you know, it's up there, but it's not the only thing. So importantly, make sure that you're thinking about the rest of your lifestyle, which is the next do. So consider your whole lifestyle. And by that, some of the key factors would be your sleep, your stress levels, your exercise, your water intake. So really be thinking about those key things as well and whether you need to be making some changes. If you're getting two hours sleep a night, maybe there's some small changes you could start making. If you barely drink any water, that's another change you could start making because that will also help your blood sugar. If you're dehydrated, then you're going to have a higher concentration of sugar in your blood, right? So little things like that. And the next don't was think movement has to be walking. So exercise has a huge role in your blood sugar regulation. There's a couple of different mechanisms that exercise uses to take sugar out of your bloodstream so it can make you more insulin sensitive, meaning that insulin can do its job better and it can also take sugar out of the bloodstream without needing to rely on insulin as well. So there's two ways and it can have a really long lasting effect. So not just while you're exercising, but for like 12 hours afterwards even or more, um, then you can have an effect of it being helpful to your blood sugar. But it doesn't just mean going for a walk and most people will say to you like, go for a walk after your meals. And yes, that's awesome advice. That definitely, definitely helps. But if walking is really not it for you right now if you're getting pelvic girdle pain or something like that some other reason that walking just is not appropriate or fun or you hate it whatever think about more creative ways that you can be moving your body so that might be stretching might be cleaning might be playing with your dog might be chasing your toddler whatever it is I don't really care and I'm not a physio I'm not an exercise physiologist so I can't speak too much about it but find some ways to move your body that is enjoyable to you and you will see some benefits in terms of your blood sugar as well. A next do is celebrate small wins so don't feel like you need to be overhauling everything and doing everything all at once which is why I haven't given kind of specific directives in any of these do's and don'ts. I haven't given you like these are the specific targets that you must be Meeting and these are all of the optimum things to be doing because it's just not that realistic. Like making changes generally takes time and it's okay. It's okay to take a little bit of time. Of course, GD is a relatively, don't want to use the word urgent, but it's a situation where we want to get on top of things quickly, but At the same time, you're only human. So celebrate the small wins where you're making them. So let's say that your goal is to be moving your body more and you know that that's going to be really helpful for your blood sugar. And so let's say that you you want to be moving every day, ideally, and for the whole week you go for one walk. Instead of beating yourself up about the fact that you only went for one walk, Leap that in your mind to celebrate the fact that you did go for one walk. It's one more than zero, because then you're more likely to build momentum and you're more likely to continue doing that thing. So you feel good about yourself. So you're like, yeah, I could probably do one again instead of feeling overwhelmed by the thoughts. I'm like, oh my god, I only did one and I should have done seven, and now I, you know, what's even the point? There's always point. There's always a point to it. So you you're more likely to think like, oh. I did one. That's awesome. Like I could probably do one again. And you know what? It actually was super easy. So I could probably do two and then build up to it that way. So that's how I like to approach things. And I think that it really helps in the sense of GD, like just keep celebrating those small wins and don't beat yourself up about things. Like it's all a learning process and having support definitely helps as well to keep reminding you and helping you reframe your mindset because it's it's so important and it can be so, so powerful to just keep yourself moving forward and just keep reflecting on the good. Now, number 18, I've stopped listing the number, but we're at number 18. So don't be afraid of medications. I know this is a really common fear and you maybe you don't want to go on insulin and whatnot and you're worried that that will lead to a cascade of interventions or you might get kicked out of your current care system, whatever it might be, whatever reason, please just don't be afraid of the medications. They can be so helpful and so many times once somebody starts taking insulin, for example, their mind is at so much more ease and they feel so much freer in what they can eat and they feel so much more relaxed about it all. So don't be afraid of it. I'm not here saying everyone should go on insulin. I'm not here saying no one should go on insulin. Nothing like that. It's whatever you need is perfect for you. So work with your team and if you need it, you need it. Like it's not a big deal and we're so lucky, we're so lucky to be able to have access to these medications. So don't be afraid if you do need to use them. Don't feel like that means that you've failed in any way. Everyone is so different. Everyone's level of insulin resistance is different and it's so hormonal that it's often not that not that dependent on what you do and the other thing is that with your blood sugar like it's likely to get worse as your pregnancy progresses because the hormones start to ramp up coming out of that placenta so your body needs to be producing more and more insulin so if yours can't keep up then you might be needing to take medication down the track so keep that in mind like that you might be going okay at first and then have some more challenges down the track so Again, it doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong or that you're failing. And if you need medication, then that is totally okay. Now do prepare a list of questions and tell your team about any concerns that you might have. So write them down. It's so much better to go into your appointment with preparation and not just be there like you're in headlights mode, not really sure what to do, not sure what to say, not sure what's happening. Um, write down the questions that you have. So, you've probably looked things up, you've listened to this episode, you've probably listened to some other episodes. So, write down your questions, tell your team any concerns that you're having, even if they feel silly, even if your questions feel really silly and obvious, or your worries seem really small and silly, like that nothing's ever nothing's ever silly. Everyone always says like, no, no questions, a silly question, but honestly your team, they, they won't care. And it's so much better to just get them off your chest and actually write them down in advance because otherwise you probably will forget all the things that you have been thinking about and worrying about. And then the questions will come later and it's still okay. If the questions come later you can most likely always ask them later but it just will probably help ease your mind quite a lot and get some reassurance and clarification if you go in prepared. The number 20 don't is don't
0: be jumping towards supplements and all the little things like
1: you'll see them online, like apple cider vinegar and cinnamon and magnesium and myo-inositol and all the supplements and potions and lotions and things that you can do to help regulate your blood sugar before you have laid the foundations of a really blood sugar friendly diet. Okay. And a really well-balanced, nutritious diet, because yes, there are so many little um, tricks and tips that you can use around your blood sugar, but they come later. Like they're the one percenters and they definitely can make a difference and they can help with certain people in certain situations, but they aren't the thing that's going to get you over the line. So it's going to be much more beneficial to put your focus onto laying some really solid foundations to your diet that will help you not just now, but like I've said, into the future. So set up those sustainable habits. Think about using that template for your meal structure. Think about your whole lifestyle. Zoom out a little bit. Look at the bigger picture. So get all of those things right before you start looking towards the little shiny objects, like all of the things that you'll see people talking about on social media and whatnot. So before you start trying to implement all of those things and thinking that you need to be on top of a million different things to do with your blood sugar, you really don't. Just think about the basics first, get the basics right, and then once you're working with your team and once you've got things a little bit under control, your mind is feeling a little less overwhelmed, a little bit less heavy, a little bit less full, then you can start thinking about those little add-ons that might be beneficial. So that is my hottest tip. And of course, maybe I should add a little cheeky number 21 to see a dietitian. Absolutely see a dietitian. I don't care if it's me or if it's somebody else, then see a dietitian because they are the experts in food and nutrition and like we know, food has really big impact on your blood sugar regulation, so it makes sense to be talking to somebody about what you can do to optimise that. And the other members of your care team, like your doctor and your midwife and your diabetes educator, are so phenomenal at what they do, but at the end of the day they are not dietitians and they are not trained in nutrition, whereas a dietitian will have gone to university for, at least four years studying nutrition and only nutrition for those four years plus all of the um, multitudes of study that they need to take on to be able to uphold that qualification and to then learn about these specialized areas like gestational diabetes so it really pays off to be speaking to somebody about your nutrition so that you can get the best outcomes for you and your babies so make sure that you do have an appointment with a dietitian and make sure that it's useful. If you didn't feel like you clicked or you connected with the dietitian or you don't get follow up, then keep looking, keep asking if, um you know, if they offer it at your hospital or your network, wherever you are, then absolutely ask to be able to utilize that service or else keep looking elsewhere, find someone that you do like, that you do connect with. It's so worthwhile you will be thanking yourself for getting that support. So absolutely do it. So that's the end of the do's and the don'ts. I hope that this was a helpful episode. I think sometimes I can go on sort of tangents and I really hope that I didn't go on too many in this episode and that it was no cohesive and that you understood what I was talking about. And if you did find it helpful, then I would really appreciate if you could be berating and a review or subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already or tell somebody else who's going through GD about the podcast, if you know that it would be beneficial for them. And you can always reach out as well. If you would like support, then you can always reach out to me in my emails via DMs on Instagram. I am at nutrition.by.helena. So come and find me there and yeah that's it from me have a great day and we will chat soon bye
0: that is it for today's episode thank you so much for listening and if you haven't already please make sure that you subscribe or hit the plus button so that you can get new episodes delivered straight to your podcast app every week and if you did find this episode useful I would appreciate it so so much if you could leave a rating and review or share it with a friend It helps me reach more people so that I can help them take some of the stress out of gestational diabetes too. And if you want to keep learning about all things gestational diabetes, head to my website to find all the ways that I can support you. Thanks so much, chat soon, bye.